Good morning. The New Testament reading is taken from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, although some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by grace of God I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Good morning, everyone. It's really good to be with you this morning. I hope that you're doing okay at this strange time. I'm so aware that people are in so many different situations from feeling uh, really worried and anxious or even grieving, uh, exhausted, uh, to being thankful for some paid time off with the family. Uh, so let's pray now that God would speak to us by his words in whatever situation we're in right now. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. So whatever our path looks like at the moment, please speak to us by your word this morning. Help us to listen and please guide our way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, imagine you're getting your breakfast tomorrow morning and uh, you put the kettle on for that all-important morning cup of tea and check the news on your phone and the headline takes your breath away because it is so good. Now, what do you think is the best thing that it could possibly say? What good news would solve the world's problems right now? Maybe you're instantly thinking of a successful Newcastle United takeover bid, finally, and not even by uh, a slightly murky Middle Eastern sovereign wealth fund. Uh, or maybe it would be the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, announcing uh, that in an attempt to kickstart the economy and support airlines after lockdown, everyone in the UK is going to get a £10,000 holiday fund. How class would that be? I, mean, I think that's a great idea. That's, we should get writing to our MPs. But more seriously, what gospel, uh, meaning good news, are we really tempted to think would solve all the world's problems? Uh, maybe it's a coronavirus vaccine and an end to quarantine. Uh, maybe it's every child in the world being able to receive a good education. Uh, maybe it's the gospel of equality and human and freedom, uh, or maybe it's the gospel of human progress. Uh, but none of those really add up. Uh, for example, the 20th century was the bloodiest in history, 
uh, and we're often uh, let down by those in power who have had great educations, aren't we? Now, of course, uh, there's much that is good in those things I mentioned, but ultimately, they'll never solve our problems because they don't address the root cause, uh, which we'll come to later. And none of them solve the unspoken problem at the end of life, death. But the Bible passage we're looking at today tells us of a gospel that does bring true hope for humanity, uh, for each one of us, a gospel that you can build your life on. Now, if you're tuning in today uh, and you don't know much about the gospel or maybe you're sceptical about it, uh, firstly, it's great that you've joined us. You've joined us. You're, you're always welcome with us. Uh, but secondly, uh, stick with me, uh, because surely it is worth getting properly informed before making your mind up about this gospel. Uh, and many people have found that it's it's not what they thought it was. And if you're a Christian, I, I guess you might be tempted to think, uh, well, I know this already. But if this is the only true hope for the world, uh, then we need to be crystal clear on what it is. Uh, and many Christians are confused. And they might say that the gospel is following Jesus's commands uh, or loving God and loving others. Uh, but those are all good things to do, but they're not the good news of the gospel. Which is why Paul uh, says to the church in Corinth, chapter 15, verse 1, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. We're diving into chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians today and over the next few Sundays. Uh, it was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. And his big concern in this letter is that he wants them to work together for the advancement of the gospel. Uh, so chapter 15, verse 1, Paul says, uh, let me remind you of what this gospel, this good news is. And then he says, verse 3, I delivered this, uh, i.e. the gospel, to you as of first importance. He's saying this is the very centre of what we believe. So listen up. So what is this good news you can build your life on? Well, Paul spells it out here. Uh, and let me give you six P's which summarise what he says. And the first one is that this good news is a person. I wonder if you've ever received uh, good news in the post, uh, maybe some exam results or uh, some pos positive uh, news from medical test results. Uh, and in that scenario, the postman is just a messenger bringing the good news. But if you're in a desperate situation where a child has gone missing and then they themselves suddenly turn up on your doorstep, they themselves are the good news. The good news is a person. And the good news of the gospel is a person. It's Jesus Christ. He's not just a messenger. He is the good news. Not only does he fix the desperate situation that we're in, but we can have a relationship with him. In fact, he says that relationship with him is what life is all about. John Stott, a great Christian leader, is right when he says the gospel is not preached if Christ is not preached. But the gospel is not only Jesus as a person, uh, it's also what he did. It's an amazing plan. It's a plan of salvation which was planned all along. Second half of verse three, uh, what is this gospel? Paul says it is 
that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This is the gospel of Jesus, Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. But notice first that Paul keeps stressing that it's in accordance with the scriptures. He's saying that the the gospel was written about hundreds of years beforehand in the scriptures, in what's our Old Testament. You see, Jesus' death and resurrection weren't just an accident. Uh, They were planned all along by God himself. For example, we read Isaiah 53 earlier in the service, and that so clearly points to what Jesus would do. And there's irrefutable evidence that that passage was written hundreds of years before Jesus walked the earth. And there are many other passages too. So if this was planned all along, uh, then what sort of a plan is this? Well, it's a rescue plan. Verse 2, Paul says, this is the gospel by which you are being saved. You see, we have a problem uh, that we can't solve and we need a rescue. Uh, The problem is there in verse 3. Have a look. Paul says, Christ died for, for what? For our sins. Sin is the great problem facing humanity. Uh, It's not war or lack of education or poverty or illness. Uh, The root problem is sin. Sin is not just doing bad things, Uh, it's turning our backs on the God who made us and loves us. Uh, It's a personal offence against God himself. Uh, He's the source of all life, he sustains us, we're made in his image, and yet we decide that we want to be in charge and we say, shove off God. My wife Sophie and I have two young children under the age of three. Uh, They're a great blessing, uh, but at the moment we're in the midst of potty training and it is hard work. A particular low point this week was Ezra, uh, a two-and-a-half-year-old, doing a poo on the floor. And before we had the time to clear it up, our dog Maisie ate it. It was grim. But on a more serious note, uh, we we give so much for our children uh, because we love them so much. And it would be awful, wouldn't it, if after all that, uh, when they were older, uh, they just ran away and rejected us. Uh, And it's even worse doing that with God himself. And because God is just, uh, he can't just ignore sin and sweep it under the carpet. In fact, we, we wouldn't want a God who ignored everything that's wrong in the world and we ourselves rightly get angry at things that are wrong in the world don't we and so god does too but all of us are implicated in the wrong in the world none of us are without sin and so god will bring justice god will show his just anger against sin that's the bad news that's the problem we face that is bigger than any other problem and that is at the root of all our other problems but here's the good news uh, the rescue plan in another letter paul writes jesus rescues us from the coming wrath and uh, jesus is the rescue plan uh, even though god himself is the offended party he himself 
provided a rescue plan uh, because he's not only a god of justice he's a god of love uh, and he loves us so much that he gave us his son jesus and jesus died for our sins verse three uh, he died the death that we should have died in our place and then he rose again uh, to prove that he had rescued us so that we do not need to fear the coming wrath uh, so we don't need to be enemies of God, uh, but instead can enjoy eternal life. And that is the amazing rescue plan which solves the biggest problem facing humanity. And it's the good news that every one of us needs to hear. You see, this gospel is incredibly powerful. If this is all sounding a bit abstract, uh, well, Paul makes it personal by telling us the amazing story about the power of the gospel in his life. Uh, take a look at verse nine. Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked Harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. In another letter, Paul says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Paul knew he had done nothing to deserve this rescue. Uh, he had been someone who thought he was really holy uh, and better than others, uh, someone who didn't need a rescue. And yet he was going around persecuting the church because he thought they were wrong and dangerous. But God, by his grace, opened Paul's eyes to understand the good news of Jesus. And it radically changed him. Uh, Paul tells us that he worked harder than any of the apostles for God's glory. But we see that he's understood the gospel because he reminds us that it wasn't him, but God's amazing grace at work in him, which enabled that change and that hard work. Paul's story shows us that the gospel is powerful to save even the worst of sinners and to transform them. And millions of people have found that to be true since then. One of the most famous being John Newton, who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace after being a, a slave trader, who then went on to help abolish the slave trade. Uh, he wrote, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. The gospel that was powerful in Paul's day uh, was powerful in John Newton's day, and it's powerful today. And if you're not trusting in Jesus right now, it's great that you're watching, uh, but as an aside, uh, let me say this good news isn't just an interesting headline. It's personal. Uh, it demands a personal response. When another apostle, Peter, explained the gospel to a crowd in the book of Acts, we're told that the people were cut to the heart they say to Peter, oh, what should we do? And Peter replies, repent and believe. And the way to respond is to confess our sins to God and to put our trust in Jesus. But maybe you're sceptical about all this. You might be thinking, did Jesus really die and rise from the dead? And Paul wants to say to us in this passage, uh, this gospel is persuasive. Uh, it's historical fact. 
Paul writes that the risen Jesus, verse 5, appeared to Cephas, uh, Aramaic for Peter, uh, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, uh, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And people weren't mugs back then. Sometimes we like to think that, don't we? Uh, But they too struggled to believe that someone rose from the dead. But Paul says it was witnessed. It's reliable. This letter was written uh, just over 20 years after Jesus died. And most scholars think uh, 53 or 54 AD. And so many of those who witnessed Jesus's resurrection were alive. Uh, Say I told you that Newcastle United thumped Man United 5-0 about 20 years ago. Uh, You might be amazed. You might be incredulous. I mean, Man United were actually good back then. But there are plenty of people who watched Newcastle do just that on the 26th of October 1996. And likewise, you might think it impossible that anyone rose from the dead. But Paul is saying that there were plenty of people who witnessed him alive and who could reassure the Corinthians that this was not a fantasy cooked up by Jesus' friends to put a happy ending onto his life. No, this actually happened. The gospel is persuasive. It's fact. He's telling the Corinthian church and now us to examine the evidence properly and be confident in it. And this gospel isn't just Paul's message. He tells us in verse 3 that it was handed down to him. He received it and he's now passing it on as of first importance. He says, verse 1, that it's in the gospel that we stand. It's in the gospel that we are being saved if we believe it and hold fast to it. You see, the gospel is permanent my final P, uh, we never move on from it. It's, it's the only thing that truly saves. It's the good news to build your life on. Uh, and far more than any other solution to human problems, uh, like those we talked about at the start, uh, it gives true hope. I was listening to a podcast the other day with Nicky Gumbel, a well-known pastor in London, and he said that growing up uh, and at the start of university, he was an atheist. In fact, he even wrote an essay disproving God. But when he finally sat down and read the New Testament, uh, it came alive to him. Jesus walked off the pages and he said, this is what life is all about. This is the hope we're all looking for. And for those of us who are already putting our trust in this good news, uh, let's never forget that this is the hope that every person needs. You see, are we tempted to slip into thinking that what people really need right now is a coronavirus vaccine and an end to the quarantine? Uh, Or are we praying that this time would bring people to understand the far greater hope that is in Jesus? I mean, by all means, uh, let's pray for an end to the virus. Uh, But do we recognise that there is a far greater problem out there? Uh, So let's be praying. Uh, Let's be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. Uh, Let's be inviting friends to watch these online services uh, or inviting them to take part in our upcoming online Christianity Explored. Uh, It's been great to hear about how people have been inviting friends to these services. Or maybe uh, if you've got more time than usual, Uh, You could read the Bible with someone uh, over Zoom. That'd be a great thing to do. 
And even in lockdown, uh, let's continue to be thankful like Paul and like John Newton uh, for God's amazing grace in our lives. And let's hold fast to the gospel as Paul urges the Corinthians. I like you might hold fast to rope that's been lowered down to rescue you. The Bible says that we hold fast together as a church. Uh, so let's make sure that we keep meeting together, even if it's virtually. And let's be thinking about how we can encourage those who might be struggling to hold fast. Uh, maybe it's sending someone a, a Bible verse uh, or giving them a call uh, just to check how they're doing uh, and uh, maybe pray with them. Paul says, as you receive the gospel, pass it on, uh, hold fast to it, preach it, proclaim it, because this is the best news we could ever hear. It's our beautiful, fantastic hope. It's the hope for the world. Let's pray. Paul says, now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you. Father God, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your amazing grace. Please help us to hold fast to the gospel at this uncertain time, uh, whatever our current circumstances. Uh, please help us to rejoice in it. Please help us to proclaim it as the hope for the world. Uh, please give us opportunities for that, even this very week. We pray all this for your glory. Amen.